0: Took me like two years. Took me two years to finish discipleship. Some people maybe it takes a little less time, have less to work through than I did. I don't know. Um, but then after discipleship, <clears throat> you sign up into the Living Faith Bible Institute. You get into the school and you take a class called Foundations Two. You take Foundations One, which is like freshman orientation, and then you take Foundations Two, where you walk through some key leadership uh, equipping s- skill-based character qualities of a man or woman of God, seven stages of spiritual growth, um, how to disciple. There's probably something else in there, but you you work through these like staple classes for. For preparing to turn around and take someone through discipleship, okay, and then if you continue through the path of growth, you're after Foundations Two, you're paired up to disciple someone, likely as an apprentice, so you're a helper, while someone else disciples officially, and you get to help come alongside that. Um, maybe similar to how you would do if you helped to mentor someone in mentorship. Then, as you're doing that, you you plug into the Living Faith Bible Institute, like actual program of study. So there's classes that you can take to get an Associates of Divinity. That's kind of the path for growth. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to be a pastor. That just means you want to grow and keep growing and you want to be a leader. and You want to be able to lead and invest in the the ministry however God calls you to. So that's the path for growth. A lot of it pretty technical stuff. But if you graduate look what you get bro. Look at it. Mmm, real calfskin leather Bible. If you graduate, they give you one of these. This is like a reference Bible and it's bound in Mariva, Mariva, Mariva. It's probably Mariva. Calfskin leather? I mean, come on. You want to take classes? Joel? (laughs) This is a good question. The margins are filled with cross-references. So it's a little different. If you want a wide margin where you can put your references, this isn't the Bible for you. But if you want, a, like it's chock full, you can see this is the Bible. On the on the margins, it's references. So, how many bookmarks one? There are four. <laughs> Hello, four bookmarks. Four and book is a cuss word, <laughs> right? Four bookmarks. Two red, two black. You know, for a New Testament and Old Testament, right? Any other questions? (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, but seriously, that's the path for growth. And and I tell you that because you should know it, but also because uh, we are taking um, a detour of Ephesians into Foundations 2. So we're covering stuff that you will learn in the class. I'm literally taking my notes, adapting them a little bit, and then teaching what what I'm teaching in the Foundations 2 class. So you're getting a sneak peek. Uh which take that for what it is but here's a couple dates for you to know there's a Christmas party in this room um, on December 19th we are doing our student ministry Christmas party in class on a Sunday morning now here's the strategy behind that number one it isn't yet another date you have to mark off um, that Christmas time is hard to, to come by dates and time and so we have this time already So it'll be morning, it won't be evening, which is maybe less than ideal, but it'll still still do its job. And and you can bring your friends to our church for your Christmas party. So invite a friend, bring them in. There'll be some food probably, some activities. It'll be time to just kind of hang out and we'll probably preach the gospel. But it'll be pretty minimal teaching and more fellowship based. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? December 19th, 9 o'clock. Questions? Okay. Uh, another date to know is December 29th through January 1st. December 29th through January 1st, that's mission focus, And so in the morning sessions, there is student sessions. And for you seniors, which is I think most of you, this is your last um, mission focus student sessions. And then from here on, you're going to do all the different tracks and classes that they offer in big church. But we're going to put Christ on trial. And it's going to be pretty fascinating. We're going to talk about some worldly theories of who Jesus is. Like the world, intellectually, if they're intellectually honest, which I don't know what percent is but there's a good amount, that they recognize Jesus was a person here on earth. Like that's a historical fact. But why don't people just say, He's the Lord. He can have my life. Why not? We're going to kind of learn about why not. But then we're also going to learn why we do. And we're going to present the evidence. We're going to put him on trial. We're going to see what he said for himself. We're going to see what other people say about who he is. We'll get an opportunity probably to, to be a witness, to take the stand if you'd like. And uh, there'll be some activities and small groups and stuff like that. So, December 29th through January 1st. You want to take off work. Cool? Any questions about that? No? All right, quiet group. Are there any underclassmen here? Kennedy? Mm -hmm. And that's it. Aubrey's a sophomore, right? Dude, Ayala. Like there's one row of underclassmen. Is there any other underclassmen? Got a bunch of old people in here. Where are these kids? What in the world? Man. Hmm, well, maybe that's good because we're going through foundations too stuff. So we'll take that as of the Lord. Uh, let's do this. Let's jump in. We'll get started. Is that clock correct? No. Okay. I gotta watch. Yep. Okay, let's pray and and we'll dive in. Why am I all the way over here? I mean, you guys are more important than everyone else, but it's like, you know, I mean like... equitable and stuff, so... Okay, let's pray. Cool. Father, thank you for this class. It feels awkward, if I'm being honest, that, that there are very few underclassmen and, and yet, God, it is what it is. And, and we are here. We're here. And Your Word is true. And it's applicable. And we need it. And so, God, would You give us humble, soft, receptive hearts. Lord, we're so quick to write off what you might say. We're so quick to ignore. We're so quick to decide and make decisions for our life. And God, would you stop us in the middle of our tracks and speak into our situations, whether it's college decisions, whether it's um, work decisions extracurricular activity decisions, like whatever it is that we've got going on, would you just help us to pause and to consider your Word, consider you this morning. And um, God, help us to apply your Word to our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Okay, so we're going to talk about repentance. We're in stage one, as you saw in the opening slide. Stage one of the seven stages to spiritual growth. Okay, Stage one has to do with what? What are things that we've mentioned? What are some key words? What's that, Ken? Repentance, we've talked a lot about, right? What else? What else happens, or what else is important from stage? Hey, come on in. What else happens in stage one? Did someone say something? No. Okay. What else happens? What else did we talk about? Do you remember for last two weeks? You look in your notes too. You could even scan through the whole thing and see if there's anything. We're talking about stage one. Some more today, so you could even say Jesus, and that would be a correct answer. Good, Naomi. Good. Job. What you think? Yeah, repentance not being a vow of perfection, right? What is repentance? If it's not a vow of perfection, if it's not I'm going to have everything figured out from here on out, what is it? It's your notebook. What does that mean? Interpret. <laughs> Interpret for me. What are you? Are you answering the question, or did you just move your arm? Yes, I was going to answer the question. Oh, go for it. Repentance means, repentance means a mindset change, uh, conviction change, desire change, and path change. Yeah. So, what's that mean? What does that mean? If you were to sum up repentance in one phrase, that doesn't have multiple phrases, just one phrase. Repentance is blah in a simple sentence. What would you say? Is honesty. Okay. <clears throat> cool what else anybody can answer what is repentance Aubrey yeah so a change of direction from worldly or fleshly to spiritual or God right yeah anything else anything else burning and you just have to say it Okay, good. Well, we talked about repentance in regard to salvation, right? How does repentance relate to me being saved? And now we're going to talk about, okay, you get saved, you repent, you turn from my way of doing things, my life, the world, sin, flesh, all that, to God. I'm born again, and now repentance still has a part in my life. And we're going to talk about that. We talked about this briefly last time. We'll review that, and then we'll and we'll finish stage one today. So, let's talk about repentance in regard to discipleship or your life post-salvation. You're on this path for growth. The next step is discipleship of whatever level, whatever degree. So here's point one of letter eight. The Christian must maintain an attitude, an attitude of repentance, which is a willingness to change in order to grow in Christ. If you're going to grow in Christ, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God and your capacity for ministry and your heart for people, if you're going to grow, you're going to have to have an attitude of, I am willing to change the way that I think, the things that I do, the, the way that I am. I'm willing to change it and to surrender to doing it God's way. And if that attitude doesn't exist, you don't grow. You stay stagnant. And maybe you've experienced that at different levels of youth ministry. I see it often. People will stall out. They're growing, they're growing, and then they plateau. Maybe their freshman year, they, they get stuck. Like, okay, now what? Then they get to junior year, and there's big decisions that happen in junior year. I'm either going in or I'm not. And they get stuck. Right? If you're going to grow, you have to have an attitude that says, alright, Lord, whatever you want. Number two, someone unwilling to change... Cannot be discipled. He will not put the principles of the new life into practice. Okay, so if you're not willing to give things up, if you're not willing to change, you're not going to grow and you won't be discipled. So you may get paired in discipleship, and if you exhibit an attitude that says, I'm not willing to just surrender and follow the Lord's word and His will, guess what's going to happen? They're going to say, hey, we're not doing discipleship. We're just hanging out. And that's not one of the agendas, that's not part of the vision for our church, to just hang out with people one-on-one all the time. Now that happens, obviously, and it should, but we're looking to make disciples, right? If someone's not not willing to grow, then discipleship doesn't happen. It's important that that attitude is in place because we aren't made aware of all our sin all at once at salvation, right? God doesn't give you a list when you get saved and say, "All right, these are all the things you need to stop doing happen but he kind of does that he? he says this is what your new life in Christ should look like now you don't have to have it all figured out right now but you do have to be willing to consider what I say to consider the list to consider the expectations Does that make sense okay so your key definition is a disciple is not some super hyper spiritual person a disciple is simply a learner someone who's willing to learn Disciple learns God's Word in order to know Him more and obey or submit to His conforming work in our lives. Does that make sense? It's about learning. How many of you hate school? Maybe just hate school right now. You hate school. Okay. If that's not everyone, it's most of us, right? Okay. How many of you hate learning? Hate learning. Right, There's not many. <laughs> Seth probably hates his life right now because he has to learn so much. But, but we, don't, we don't actually just hate learning. We just hate the structure that learning, quote-unquote, learning, takes place in right now. High schools are broken. The education system is a flawed system. Right? It's, it's failing you in many regards. And I can say that pretty honestly as a school teacher. But learning and learning God's Word the most important information, and learning it with God's structure, which is one-on-one biblical discipleship, it is flawed because humans are involved, but the structure itself and the content is not flawed. And in fact, it's the most fascinating, life-changing curriculum that you could ever get your hands on. Right? It is life-changing. You ask people in our church... What is it that makes church special to you? Why are you bought in here? Why is Midtown your home? And it's not because we have awesome praise. It's not because the teachers are the best teachers in the city. It's not it. It's not because the hospitality team is so warm and welcoming. It's because biblical discipleship is the ministry. And so we get paired up one-on-one. We have a real, genuine, authentic, meaningful relationship with someone who will open this and walk through life with us. That's different. You go to school somewhere, you graduate high school, and you go to school somewhere. You will not find that very easily. You won't. I, I, you can, you can, you can think it's normal. You can think Midtown is alike, bro. It's not. It isn't. Even our sister churches and the churches that we have planted. It's hard, bro. And it's not, it's not up and running like it will be in a matter of time. But dude, ask Isabel, is discipleship flourishing? Yes, people are getting discipled. But is it as easy and simple and natural as it is here at Midtown? Definitely not. Because there's like four disciplers there. Right? I'm telling you what we have here because of discipleship is special and unique. But to be part of that, you have, to, you have to be willing to change. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, here's what God's plan is. Paul says, "...being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ." There is the rest of your life, there's a plan for you to just be conformed, for God to do a work in you. Romans eight twenty nine. "...for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren." There is a plan for us to be conformed, to be trained, to be discipled. That's God's agenda. And part of our new life in Christ is simply just letting Him do that. Submitting to the structures, to submit to the people in our lives who will be part of that. All right? Let him, let him change you from the inside out. Is this making sense? Okay, number three. Following Jesus Christ demands a changing or growing, you can choose which word you want there, changing or growing lifestyle. Okay, following Jesus demands a changing or growing lifestyle. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 to 15, Paul says it this way, he says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, I didn't arrive, I didn't get a handle on this thing, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. In other words, Paul understood and he instructed the church, he instructed us that that we never arrive. You don't just arrive at Christian perfection. You just keep forgetting the things behind and pressing forward. And that we just continue. Here's what it looks like to be a disciple. You just continue to seek God's will being done in our lives personally and continually. You don't graduate from discipleship. You might finish the lessons, get a certificate, get recognized in front of the church, get a warm fuzzy feeling, which you should. That's great. We want to celebrate that. But it's not like you could say, well, now that I'm a disciple or I'm no longer a disciple. I mean, you're a disciple for life. Right? Disciples for life. We should create a band. That's the praise band's new name. It used to be what? Lifted? Now it's Disciples for Life. Yes. Total shift. Get the seniors out and then we'll have our way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh wait, Naomi doesn't like it. Okay, <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm gonna, you know, if we're driving in second gear right now, right? Well, we're about to go up a really steep hill and put it in first, so it's gonna kinda be like jarring, and we're gonna like, it's gonna be kind of weird, all right? So here's the deal. Let's talk about baptism. Baptism and its implications on repentance and submission. How does that relate to repentance and submission? How does that relate to discipleship? How does that relate to stage one of being a new babe in Christ? Baptism is the first test of the believer's motives and heart attitude to follow Jesus Christ. So consider this example. Matthew chapter 3 verse 4 through 6. It says, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So John the Baptist, out there dunking people, people are confessing their sins, right? It's a baptism uh, to repentance. Like this is a revival in the nation of Israel. Consider this. Matthew 21, 24, and 25. And Jesus answered uh, and said unto them, these Pharisees who were challenging Him, He says, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. That baptism that you guys witnessed. And oh, by the way, you didn't participate in. Whence was it? Where would it come from? From heaven or of men? Is that thing that you didn't participate in, was that of God or was that just man-made? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did ye not then believe him? All right, And they go on to say, but if we say it's of men, like, that's trouble, right? The Pharisees rejected John's call to repent and be baptized. Why? They didn't want to humble themselves in submission. They didn't want to repent. They didn't believe. Their heart was hardened. Right? Baptism begins in the heart. So, let's put it this way. Okay, the Bible lays out clearly in Acts, people getting born again, and then they get saved, and then they get baptized. Right? That's what happens. That's how the Bible structure it lays it out. You can say, well, why don't don't they talk about it in the Pauline epistles? Well, when did it stop being a thing? When did He ever say, stop doing that? If Jesus said, in the Great Commission, you guys go baptize people, when did He say, stop doing that? And if we have examples of people doing that, guess what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to get baptized. Okay, so if the pattern in Scripture is that you and I are supposed to get baptized after we are born again, why aren't you baptized? Right? Right? Or maybe you did get baptized, and you did it because you were seven. And that's perfectly fine. Okay, But maybe right now you're thinking, well, what's the deal with baptism? If I did it kind of willy-nilly, not knowing what I was doing, well, why should I have done it? Well, here's why you should get baptized, because God says so. He lays it out, that that's what we do. But then also consider what baptism is. It is relating with God. It is beautiful, you guys. It is a. It's it's truly an awesome picture because what you're doing is you're getting in front of the church, and you're getting dunked in a water trough thing, and you're getting pulled up. People clap. You go change your clothes. You come back to service. Okay, practically it's not a big deal. But what pictorially what it pictures is beautiful you are saying i i was buried in the likeness of his death when he died for my sin he paid for it he died and i'm relating to that because now i can die daily because i'm dead to sin and then as just as he like i want to relate in that He's raised in newness of life, and, and I'm raised in newness of life, and I have new life, and I have abundant life, and I'm a new creature. And I'm born again, I'm changed, I'm different. Now I belong to Him, and I relate to Him, and I get to picture what He did for the whole world. And you get to relate to Christ. What an honor. I mean, who are we that we would not only would we get born again, who, who are you? That, it, that you get to relate to Christ. Man, I don't know. I don't know who I am, that I get to do that, but I want to do it right now. Like, every time I tell Pastor Sam, I'm like, man, you know, if I get to teach about baptism or talk about it or whatever, every time that that has happened, that conversation has happened, he said, I'll baptize you. I'll baptize you right now. I've been baptized already. Like, but, man, maybe you need to get baptized again. Let's do it. My disciple got baptized after he discipled me. Right? He had been discipled. But he was doing the math and he was like, it was kind of just a vain thing. I just kind of did it because that's what we were doing. But I want to actually personally relate to Christ in the death, burial, and resurrection. And I want to be baptized. Maybe you need to do that. Or maybe you refuse to do that. You're resistant to it. Well, why? Why would you not get baptized? Well, because of the hardness of your heart. Because you're not a disciple yet. Or maybe you just need the opportunity. Here's the opportunity. Right? Here's a key application. Baptism is an opportunity for new believers to confess their new life in Christ and repentance. They get to say, Man, I was going this way. Now I'm going this way. I'm with Him. I'm with Him. Okay. So while you're writing that down, we're going to continue the conversation here. We're going to keep talking about repentance within salvation and discipleship. And we'll put it this way, okay? Point number five. Repentance within salvation and discipleship is this. One must follow Jesus Christ and the Father's will. What does... God won. Matthew sixteen twenty four says then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, if you want to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mark 8.34, And when He called the people unto Him with His disciples also, He said unto them, Whosoever who will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. If you want to follow Christ, listen to what He says in Luke 9.23, And He said to them all, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. If you want to follow Christ, it's time to say no to yourself. What I want to do, what I have planned for my life, what I think is best, it's time to deny that. It's time, upperclassmen, to say, you know what, as I'm transitioning out of student ministry, as I'm transitioning out of my little really beginning kind of a wide open life, it's time to say no to myself. And time to say, Lord, what will you have And you better do that before you start making all of your own decisions and you get in the thick of your plans. Because once you're in the thick of your plans, it only gets harder and more difficult to say, man, I really messed this up. God, what would you have? And I tell you, you ask the adults in here, you ask any adult in this church, bro, ask any adult who is following Christ what their testimony is of this transition. The transition you guys are embarking on. I guarantee if they if they just trusted the Lord, things went well. If they did their own thing, there was difficulty. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. Deny yourself, take up your cross, say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want I want the life that you have for me. Does that make sense? Well, today is the day to, that, to make that decision. Today is the day to do that. Alright? Let it be. Repentance and its practical application. We're on, our, we're on the home stretch here. We're almost done, so keep hanging with me. Repentance and its practical application. So, so the second part of repentance. right? Repentance in regards to salvation. And then the second part, which we just kind of described, this sanctification and discipleship, it can begin immediately after salvation. You can get saved and say, God, I'm all in. I want to grow. I want to keep walking with you. And people who get saved later in life typically go that route. You get saved later in life typically, you'll see the young adults in When They come into the church and they get saved. And what do they do? They jump right into discipleship typically. Why? Because they've lived enough life to say, yeah, this was not going anywhere. So I'm just going to go wherever the Lord has. Or a grown adults who come to know Christ at a later age, what do they do? They don't say, oh, I'm going to get saved, and then I think maybe I'll like, I don't know, party a little more. Like they, they don't have those types of situations. They've done it already, and they realize that the world has nothing to offer them. Nothing. It has nothing to offer you. So young people, right, I would encourage you, because you get the choice Maybe you've been saved already. Maybe you're going to be saved today. The next part of that, repentance, sanctification, discipleship, choose that. Now. Don't wait. Because you can wait 10 years before you really want to start growing in your walk. And you'll be saved. You'll be born again, but you're going to do things your way. You're making a mistake. And it's a mistake you don't have to make. That's what Mitch Medlin always says. Whenever we hang out, like almost every time he and I hang out, his heart is heavy. It's a burden for the kids who kind of circulate on the outside of things. Right? They come every once in a while. His heart is heavy. It's a burden for them. And here's what he tells me every time. He says, Man, I just wish they knew that it didn't have to be hard. I just wish they knew that things can be okay. Like you can have a fine life, like you can if you just submit, humble yourself, and obey, things will be much better. But what? What do young people want to do? I think I'm going to do what I want to do. I think this church thing is is boring. I think it's 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 weird. It's awkward. It's not my culture, right? These people look different from me. These people talk different from me. They wear different clothes. Co- Clothes, they have different styles, right? They have different activities. I don't relate, I don't connect with anybody in here, bro. It's time, it's time to deny yourself. That makes sense, okay? I, on the surface, probably have grown to connect more with the counselors in here just because we've lived life for like a decade together, so we probably have quite a few similarities at this point. But when I Jumped into ministry with the Murphys and the Fives and all the people who have been in ministry. There were not a lot of similarities between me and them in terms of our style, in terms of our interests. We were just a hodgepodge group of people who said, I guess we better do youth ministry. And that's the best, man. This is the best place for you to grow. And in your transition to Kaya, you will not connect with everyone there. You might not see right now where you fit. Ignore that. That's carnal. It means nothing. Who cares if you're like the people in your group? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Do they want to grow? Are they disciples? Then they're the people to be with. Does that make sense? I take some maturity. I'm calling you to be a little mature in your per- perception of this transition. you got to gotta be mature okay okay others they choose they wait a long time some people they decide I'm gonna grow right now they plug in with the people who are there and they say I'm gonna be a disciple with these other disciples some they wait and then some never grow some get saved and they walk off and they do their own thing and there are people right now who've gotten saved and they've wandered off they're doing their own thing I could name dozens of students who have come to student ministry and they, they left. And they got saved. Maybe. But they wandered off. And I, I hope they come back. But it is a choice. You can just go through life the hard way. Right? Don't make that choice either. I don't think anybody in here will. Okay, and then number two under repentance and the practical application is that the need for change and growth as a believer must be communicated. So here's what I'm saying by that. Your, your quick key point. Expectations and clarity concerning what it costs to follow Christ are crucial for avoiding confusion. That has a lot of C's. I don't think I meant to do that. Clarity concerning what it costs to follow Christ are crucial for avoiding confusion. What a dweeb. I didn't mean to do that. I don't think. I don't know. The point being, you want to do discipleship? Do you want, Raise your hand if you want to do discipleship. Okay, that was a trick. Because you don't know what discipleship is. Actually. Sounds good. Sorry, I shouldn't have tricked you. That was mean. Gotcha. <laughs> right? Yes, you should want to do discipleship. Initially, yes, you have raised your hand. Okay, but you don't actually know what it is. You don't know what it's going to cost you. You don't know what it means, necessarily. You know generally, like, wow, it's a thing. You just talked about it, right? Yeah. But what does it cost to be be a disciple of Christ? I know this. I had multiple difficult conversations with my discipler. He called me to do things, to think about things, in a way there was there were challenges. I was challenged in that relationship. Now I was built up and I was taught and I was, I was I was so thankful for discipleship. It did so much for my walk with Christ. But it was also kind of tough. Like very cutting at times. Okay, what does that mean? What does it cost? What does it look like? You have to know up front. You should know that to be a disciple, to deny yourself, to take up your cross, it might be kind of hard. And you'll probably have to sacrifice your dreams. Like that thing that you really want to do, that person you really want to be, you might have to just say, no, not doing that. You know what I still want to do right now? Kylie knows. You know what I want to do? I really badly, okay, so especially now, I've been like pretty bad out of shape for like a year now. Having that third kid really wrecked my gut, okay, actually made my gut flourish, I didn't wreck it. You know what I really want to do? I really want to be a rescue swimmer. I do. I would do it. If If the Lord made a way, I would in an instant, I would be like, yes. I'm in. I'm going to basic training. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get so ripped. My wife is going to just like, whoo, right? She's, she's not going to be able to stand it. I'm going to be shredded. And not only am I going to be shredded, I'm going to be doing one of the most heroic things that any human can be. I'm going to be saving literal lives. I can just imagine it. I'm being dropped down from the helicopter. And I'm like, give me your head. <laughs> I got my bandana on my head. And I'm like shirtless and ripped. I'm like, come on. No, I won't do that. I'll have my, you know, my... Yeah, scratch that part, right? Oh <laughs> but come on, I got you. My voice changes. It's much deeper in this dream, right? Come oh on. I, I, I genuinely... I'm, I'm being genuine. I'm being authentic. I'm not just making this up. I really, truly, with the exception of all those strange details, I really want... I want to do that. Wow. I want to... And I tell you, my, I have a family history of, of military participation, right? I, like my dad, that's his one regret in life is that he wishes he would have joined the military. And so I've heard that for years. And I'm like, man, I, ah, like, ah, I could do that, right? I really want to. But, but that, that's not where God has me. Like He has me right here. And I get to do that at some level, I get to be dropped down from spiritual places and I'm like, come on, students, accept Christ, let's go, let's live for the Lord, you know? And it's exciting and it's dangerous and it's intense. I leave my shirt on all the time, but it's different. It's not the dream that I had. Some of you have dreams that you need to just say, all right, Lord, that ain't for me. And maybe it will be someday. Maybe when I'm 50. Maybe when I retire from public school teaching. Did they let you in the military at 53? No. They'll make an exception for me. Because <laughs> I will be elite. I'll be in such good shape to be like, wow, you can swim faster than all the 20-year-olds. Yes. See, i got a plan. I'm still working it. But not seriously. That dream is given to the Lord, and so, so must ours be. You must be willing to surrender all to follow Christ. That is the cost. So discipleship is not a program. Sanctify, uh, sanctification and following Christ is not something that you turn on and off. It's not something where you're at church and you're really holy and then when you go home you're a different way. That's not what sanctification, or relationship with Christ is. Discipleship is you knock out these lessons and then you move on with your life. Christ wants all of you. That's a lot. He wants every bit of you, all of your decisions all of your personality. He wants your whole body. He wants all of your thoughts and feelings. He wants all of your decisions. It is consuming. He is consuming. The cost is high. And that seems maybe heavy and like, whoa, what? That doesn't seem reasonable. Only if you're hanging on to your life and not willing to deny yourself. Does that make sense? Like, man, I just want him to have all that because he's going to do a lot better of a job with it than I ever will or would or could. I'd be dead probably if I was a rescue swimmer, realistically. Right? I was a fine swimmer, but I mean, come on. Who knows where I'd be, what I would be, if I held on to my life. He does much better at managing and ruling our lives than we ever will. So seniors, here's what you need to know. The Cost of Discipleship class is on December 4th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Not you juniors. Not you sophomores. Not you freshmen. Seniors, December 5th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. I would challenge you, you need to be there. It's time. It's time. It's time to grow up a little, to take a step, to count the costs. You're not being paired. You're You're not committing to discipleship. You are seeing what it costs you. And you need to see that cost. Because next semester is going to fly by. I'm telling you, it's going to go quick. It's going to go quick. And that's exciting. I want you to graduate for your sake. I'm really excited about that. But also, bro, you're almost done. So you better see what it costs you before you leave and don't get plugged in. right? And don't grab on to what God might have for you and the structure of this local church. Okay, but everybody else, maybe you're not a senior, there is a cost of mentorship class scheduled right now, but maybe you know, I need to be a disciple, I need to follow Christ, and I need someone who can basically go arm in arm with me through that. Maybe you need to be mentored. Maybe you need to mentor someone else, right? Ken and I are going to wrap up mentorship today, and then we're going to talk and pray about, okay, what now? Moving forward. He's still got a year. We can mentor somebody. We can be all about it. Maybe you're in mentorship or maybe you're finishing mentorship and maybe those discussions need to happen for you. But we, gotta, we have to plug in. Does that make sense? So let's wrap this up. Here's your key point. Once the young Christian understands that their relationship with God, uh, they understand their relationship with God, they understand eternal security. I'm His and He's mine and I can't lose that. Once they understand baptism they can move forward to the next stage, stage two, which we'll talk about next week. All right? Baptism is the first test of submission. So I would put this forward to you that maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to be baptized again. I don't know. Whatever. But maybe you need to be baptized. And once you understand that your life is different, then in the next stage we're going to kind of learn about how different your life is. Right? And some of you are in stage two already. Okay? Some of you are in stage one. will be fine. Some of you are in stage two. Some of you are even in stage three. A little bit. But stage two, we'll, we'll learn about what is this life with Christ? Who is Christ to you now that you're born again? And here's our conclusion. Okay? I'll, I'll wrap up with an analogy of these stages, to get us thinking forward. Stage one of spiritual growth has to do with a new believer like a new baby or child becoming familiar with the Father's love and care and abandoning sin in the world. Okay? That's what stage one is. There isn't a vast understanding of who God is. Once you get saved, you don't know God very well. Right? It's not like you just all of a sudden download all of it. It's like you get born again it's like... Right? Right? Both you don't receive information like that and you don't speak in tongues, right? But what it is, is you understand I know who God is, at least at the level that He saved me. That's my, that's my God. That's, maybe that's my Father. But you don't know a whole lot. But there is an understanding that He is the answer in your life. In stage two, you're going to learn a little bit more about Him, right? Georgia doesn't know me. Georgia's my third daughter. She doesn't know me. Right? She, I, it's debatable whether she recognizes me or not. Some would say she does. I don't know. Like, how would I know? When I, I can get her to smile, kind of, sometimes. Ivy and Josie, they know me. They spent time with me. They know my personality. They know what to expect from me at different times. Right? It's a different level or complexity to our relationship. Some of you, are in George's place some of you, you you know yeah that's God right yeah that yeah that's yeah that's God right I know he saved me I don't know him right some of you are very unfamiliar with who the Lord is some of you you're like okay I think I, I kind of know his personality I know how he works I know what it looks like kinda. I know what to expect. I know he's coming home every day after work, right? And I know he's. I know we're going to eat because of him, and I know he loves me. And I know that, man, when I disobey, that there's discipline. There's consequences for that. I know that he comforts me, but you know, I'm still learning really in depth who he is. Stage two, right? And that's where we're going to go next week, and that's where I think probably the majority of us are knocking on. We're knocking on stage two if we're not in there. Does that make sense? Stage three will be ministry service. Stage four will be leadership. Stage five will be separation and like trial. And then stage six and seven are something else that I can't remember right now. So, cool? Let's pray. There's no real altar call or specific way to respond, but if you know you need to be baptized or maybe you you know there's something that you're thinking about and you want to talk about, we've got uh, plenty of time to hang out, so hang in here as long as you can, okay, if you need to leave, leave, but if you can hang in here with us, we want to we hang out for another 10 minutes or so, and then we got to leave, okay? All right, pray with me. Father, thank you for this class, thank you for the upperclassmen, and God, for uh, your word. Lord, I, I feel like there, there were things that were burdening my heart and things that you showed me and that you've laid out. And um, I feel like I was I was able to address those and and yeah God I know that I am you know if it's up to me to convey Your Word and it's all on me that um, it's not going to get done and so God I pray that Your Spirit would take Your Word as it was spoken and apply it to our lives help us to apply it help us to obey help us to. To see what you're doing in our lives and what you want to do right now, in our lives, and um, well really, we just we want you to be glorified. And so, God, have your way with the rest of this morning. Help us to follow you. Help us to, to hear you as you speak. Um, God, be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, we got about ten minutes, so feel free to hang out. There's who brought some food over here? Chloe. Chloe, what'd you make, Chloe? orange and cinnamon rolls. So go tear one of those in half and eat some. Nice. Alright guys, we'll just take a little time to hang out. I don't want to go over there too early because they're not done in there, but uh, feel free to hang. Mm. What's up? Yeah, sit. You want to sit here? What's up, man? What's on your mind? I'm thinking about being baptized again. Last time last time I got baptized there was still I still felt the same as what before I was baptized and I started like after that baptism I started I started